Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brennan. We got more uh, Bobby Miami breaking news. Okay. He says, I'm top five in my station. I'm not worried about Bezos. And then he goes on to say, Jeff will be fine as long as you don't put my picture out there. I know y'all got me. We got you, Bobby Miami, right where we want you. Yeah, it sounds like we got there. you right. Well, well, Random went from not uh, believing Miami, you to like blackmailing. I, I won't put your picture out there if you meet a few conditions. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is quite a heat check for Bobby Miami and to Bobby, say that Jeff Bezos won't, won't, won't care about what he does. That's quite a heat check. There. Bobby Miami didn't answer us on the Paul question. Did he actually well, say he that about answer. Paul and then come with all the love for us? We need to know. Yeah. We need to know. A couple of people saying Mike Piazza too to our offensive our catchers that stated catcher that. that was did you say Piazza? I said Piazza oh, Johnny I it, my bad. Yeah, so we had a bunch of textures saying that. One said Gary Carter. There's examples of guys staying behind the dish, but you know, usually a really good offensive player, offense more than defense, you're gonna you're gonna move them to like first, maybe even DH them. That way you can play more often. But there are, you know, exceptions to the rule. Maurer and Posey were the guys that I don't think were on everybody's radar. But other than that, it's very few and far between that you can get a really, really good catcher that stays at catcher his whole career. And Buster Posey is the best example of it in recent history that basically, and they did move him around a little bit later in his career, but for the most part, he wanted to still be behind the dish for longevity's sake alone. If you're a good hitter and you're a catcher, they're going to find another position for you. Yeah. seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Kelly Eco is going to join us in 10 minutes to talk about the Joel L and possibilities to the Rockets. He went famous on the internet yesterday. Again. Uh, about it again. He's he just I mean, stays stays famous. Triple zero two. This is, comes from B Mac Burner actually. B Mac. He says in this text, if you calculate the trajectory of the perimeters of the scope minus Pythagorean theorem and adding the circumference uh, circumference over three fourteen pi, you get a base hit. What is this all about? You're looking Beats at me. Like I have no answer. idea we, for that. Well, I mean, they said B Mac burner. I, we were, we Am were I getting, the only B Mac in America? Yeah, there was a we BK were, burner. No, we were getting some texts like the last couple of days too, like saying very scientific, mathematical terms, very analytically that's driven. That's not and me. And they were saying I that guarantee it, that's not me. They were saying that it was you and PC. No, I don't no. know. Triple zero two B Mac burner. Explain yourself. Explain yourself as to what you're talking. about. I think about. that account far more fake than Bobby Miami. <laughs> that account also texts about 150,000 times a week. Yeah, we, we love it. We Certainly love all not even. Um, Do you believe in him more than Bobby Miami? I mean, you're a real person if you're texting the show. I thought Bobby Miami Bobby Miami's a, been texting the show all day. I understand that. I thought he was a made-up character. Okay. Well, I, and, <laughs> was and, this the WWE? BK Burner, I mean, uh, I mean B-Mac Burner isn't a made-up account. Well, I, I didn't say it wasn't. I totally believe B-Mac Burner is a made-up you know, handle a triple zero two Texas all the time. He's a, he's a friend of the show. He's a loyal listener, but just some random Bobby Miami guy. I thought it was a, I thought it was a bit. I thought it was a, I thought it was a bit, but I, I, I stand corrected. It wasn't a bit. He's very, very real. And he sent and us a selfie and I'm a little uncomfortable, but I am blackmailing him <laughs> about the selfie. Cause, what do you want from Cause him? Jeff Bezos, it's a joke blank. I know, but if you were going to blackmail him, what let's do you want? Something. Maybe, you know what I actually, you know what? Yeah, I do want something. something. He works at Amazon. He's yeah, got hundreds of gifts right there. It is just surprise me. Surprise me. You can bring me bring me four packages of what you think is good stuff. 
forget porch pirating. Just no, just I'm bike milling pirating or whatever. Yeah, porch bike milling. You should uh, find you some hot sauce you might like. I know you're a hot sauce connoisseur. Hey, Maybe a hot sauce racist. snob. That's what? super racist. No, I, I, you've had takes about how, how awful Alex Bregman's sauce is. So okay, I, I take you as a, a, as a hot porch sauce black man, or Porch black, what'd you say? Black milling. Porch pirate black. I don't even know. <laughs> Careful, Joel. Black, yeah. black, Careful. Milling, black milling is not a racist term. I'm just, you know, take, taking advantage of people that you have certain information on. That's not racist at all. Uh, BMAC saying that I like salsa, borderline racist. You, you were eating it today <laughs> in the bullpen. Certain salsa, you know, not breaky bombs. Valencia's the, 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 Tex-Mex Garage yes, salsa. Exactly. It was fantastic. You're, 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 That's about you as anti-breaky bomb. Breaky bomb sauce is trash. That's, see, there you see, go. That's where I was going. It's terrible stuff. All right, you get one Texans breakout player. Let's not say C.J. Stroud because, I mean, that uh, quarterback position is a different beast, different animal, et cetera, et cetera. So let's eliminate C.J. Stroud from the conversation here. You can have one player. Let's set the standard of what the breakout is, too. Like, are we saying all pro? Are we saying pro bowler? Are we saying, like, foundational starter? Pro bowl. I would say pro bowl. Pro bowl. Okay, so not all pro, because that is a bit lofty. All pro is, yeah, very lofty. Very lofty. So, like, legitimate pro bowl. Like, you're the first, like, first selection pro bowler. You're not um, some fourth, fifth reserve because other guys are going to the Super Bowl or they're pulling like out. Like the backup for the Ravens Huntley, last year. Right? Caleb Huntley. Yeah. I was trying to think yeah, of his Huntley name. Huntley made it after, after two like, touchdown yeah. passes last yeah. year. A legitimate pro bowler. Like you, your first selection pro bowler, you're not Huntley, a backup quarterback in the NFL that's on the pro bowl team. You get one Texans breakout player, who are you picking? For this coming season alone. Well, yeah, but you have to assume, too, that if you break out this year, that's probably who you're going to be for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll jump in if you're if you if you're having uh, thinking of one. I'll go with Derek Stingley. I mean, not only to pay off and not have to look at the Sauce Gardner production year in year out and compare the two, but having a quote unquote lockdown corner, uh, especially when, after adding what we think will be a great pass rusher and Will Anderson, having those two guys on the field, if, if Stingley gets to a Pro Bowl level, I think really takes this defense to a new level very very quickly. I have two that I had in mind, and thankfully it wasn't who you were going to pick for variety. But I thought either Petrie uh, or Will Anderson. I think that because of how you went about getting Will Anderson, the fact that that would show you that he's really stepped up, he was worthy of the trade, he's going to be a dominant player. You always need a pass rusher. You need a guy that can you know just force teams to have to double-team you and do the things uh, that, that really great players in this league or good, great defensive players do, and I think – that would be one. And the other one is Petrie just simply because in, in year one, he showed he's on the cusp already. The dude shows that he's all over the place, on the field. He makes plays. He makes tackles. So I would say one of those two guys. What was the first one you said I was distracted uh, demanding things from Bobby Miami on the internet? You yeah. said it was either Will Anderson or Petrie. Okay, Will Anderson was the first one you said. I caught the Petrie one. All of those are terrific options. All of those are terrific, terrific options. Tank Dell says Coog Blaze because he's got a Coog bias like I do. Um, I'd love for Tank Dell to do or that Coog as well. Coog Blaze says Tank Dell. I think to me it comes down to position importance. One other texter even said like he wants it to be Stingley because the rookies just have to show promise, not necessarily a breakout, which I like that theory too. I like that logic we took as well. CJ out of the equation. We took right? CJ out of the equation. I think the positional importance of cornerback is why I lean Stingley as well. Now, I mean, you could sit there and say, Are you kidding me? Have you seen how important an edge rusher is in the NFL? I'm okay if Will Anderson's breakout year doesn't come immediately, though. Like, I don't, like, as a rookie, am I fully expecting him to have a breakout year? Not really. And I think that his progression is going to be just fine. Stingley last year didn't play a whole lot. He wasn't showcased in Lovey Smith's zone scheme. So it's tough to get a real grade on what Derek Stingley Jr. is. But if Derek Stingley Jr., 
I'm not, not even going to throw the Sauce Gardner comparison out there, but if he plays to 90% of what Sauce Gardner was a year ago, you feel a lot differently about this team going into next season than you do now. Right now it's all hope and optimism with Stingley. If you can count on a lockdown corner that basically puts a team on an island with you know, taking away half the field, that does a lot for a defense. It really does, but I, I would say to add to that, why I said Petrie in part two was because of how important it is to have a quarterback of the defense and a guy like Petrie learning from a guy like Ward, but knowing that you're running D'Amico's defense and and kind of being the guy that D'Amico's going to lean on, that's going to tell you more about not only your own play, but your team's play and the way you're able to be the catalyst for what they're doing defensively. And I think that's why I would put him in the mix as well. I don't disagree with what you said about Stingley, but I think that Petrie as a second-year player, with all he's already showed you ability-wise, but how important it is that for D'Amico to kind of set the table with his defense this year and do the things while the offense gets settled in. Mm -hmm. I think Petrie has an extra level of intangible importance. Petrie also played really good last year. I I don't think the safety position is more important than the corner position. Especially without pass happy. It is that you need a wide, uh, a corner, a shutdown corner for wide receiver one. Isn't it? It's also, this might be a weird way of saying it too, but I feel good with where Petrie's at. Like, if we're talking about a breakout for a player going from where they are right now to playing at a a Pro Bowl level, like, Petrie's knocking on the door of a Pro Bowl already. So, like, you're not getting a tremendous jump from Petrie turning into a Pro Bowler, but you're getting a tremendous jump from Stingley, who played in half of games and was very mediocre, sure. all of a sudden turning into a Pro Bowler. But that's, like, why that's I a said, massive jump from where he was. But you're not only getting a guy that's already shown the, that he's ready to, like, be a consistent, really good player in this league, but that's why I mentioned the fact... but. But you're also getting a guy that's that's going to be the quarterback of the defense for years to come. Yeah. And it's going to be the guy that D'Amico can lean on and, and go to, and he'll understand everything that they're running. That that I think that has, specifically for the Texans, uh, maybe different than other teams, but I think that's why it has a little bit more importance. There's a lot of value to that. You're right. Uh, Christian Harris, a name that's being brought up in the Twitch. Some people saying Damian Pierce. What, what about Kenyon Green? Kenyon Green I, should, have been a, should have been an answer. You feel pretty good about, obviously, Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard and Shaq Mason, but if all of a sudden Kenyon Green delivers on first-round promise, yeah. you go from you know the offensive line being at strength to being maybe, what, a top-five unit in the league if, if you get – Pro Bowl caliber play out of Kenyon Green? It almost has to be top five for what you paid for it yeah. and for the draft picks you used on it. Whether it's it, Juice Scruggs as a second, whether it's Kenyon Green as a first, whether it's Laramie Tunsil, top one left tackle money at the time, whether it's Titus Howard, top five right tackle money at the time, whether Shaq Mason who you traded for and then gave a contract extension to. Like the Texans offensive line right now, I think is in a sad state currently, today, right now, if you had to go play an NFL game today. Because of the injury. Kenyon Green, like, still working his way back from offseason knee surgery and a huge transitional year for him, going from being a disappointing rookie into his sophomore year. A rookie center, which is very, very difficult. Titus Howard's hurt right now. Who's your right tackle if you play the game right now? Is it George Fant? He didn't look good. I heard he was even banged up a little bit. D'Amico Ryan said today, I listened to his uh, post-practice press conference today, he said our offensive line's trying to figure things out right now. You go from, like, your top five offensive linemen, if everything works out perfectly, Kenyon Green is a breakout player, everybody else stays healthy, that is a really good, on paper, offensive line. You have two injuries, the offensive line's terrible. Yeah, there's no depth. And no when depth. DJ Biennemi was on with us earlier this week, he, he said as much. But the thing is, is I would question whether I'd put C.J. Stroud in the, out there if, if that was the offensive line he was playing with. If you had to put him out there today with the, that offensive line that you just described with all the injuries, I'm not putting him out there. I'm putting Case Keenum out there. I'm putting Davis Mills out there. But he's too valuable for the long term to me to risk him in the short term behind a shoddy offensive line. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you. I can understand that. I can totally understand that. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Kelly Eco went internet famous yesterday, saying that the Rockets could be in on Joel Embiid if he tries to force his way out from Philly. Well, Kelly Eco is going to join us next. Killer Bees, ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Blunt commentary delivered with a special purpose. What's happening to my special purpose? It's the Killer Bees live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. Let the boys be boys. Kelly Ego will be joining us shortly. Covers the Rockets for the Athletic. They just released their schedule today. Um, yeah, they'll play basketball 82 times this season and an in-season tournament for the Houston Rockets. I'm excited for their season. I think they're going to be a Fun team fun to, to watch. watch, grow, develop, come together, and they have some real coaching this year. That's, they have some real that, coaching. That's the main thing. I think they have the they have a true basketball voice in the room now with Adoka, and he he is going to be a voice on player decisions. He's going to be a voice in developing young talent that we haven't seen that have been underdeveloped, quite frankly, under Stephen Silas. And I think it, it's just a huge plus to start with Adoka as this team going in the right direction. 713-780-3776, the HRMP listener line, but it's also the HRMP guest line. Kelly Eco joining us now on the HRMP guest line. Uh, Kelly, thanks for taking a few minutes joining us. You got internet famous yesterday saying yeah, that the, the Rockets... Uh, Kelly! <laughs> hey, Kel! Yes, sir? Hey, well, you want to stop talking to the guy <laughs> that you're trying to get to listen to you on the radio and do the radio? Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, you you made uh, some waves yesterday, saying that the the Rockets could be a landing spot if Joel and B tries to force his way out of Philadelphia. Uh, how likely do you think yeah. this is to happen, and what what would a potential timeline look like? You know, I think as it pertains to Embiid, everything really depends on you know the first domino to fall of the whole James Harden situation, how that plays out. You know, I could easily see a situation where. If it turns sour and if he's traded, you know, and the package isn't as substantial as you, as you would like for Philadelphia, if, if Joel were to go that route, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen imminently, but I'm just saying that's something to, to note because Joel is very unhappy with that situation in terms of how James is trying to force his way out and how that pertains to Philadelphia's, you know, contention hopes and all that stuff like that. So, it's just something to keep track of, just something to monitor as, you know, the weeks turn into months and have you. Kel, when you look at that, the parameters I'm curious about, too. What would it take to get Joel Embiid, a league MVP, one of the best centers in the game along with the Joker? How much of the young talent would you have to give up if you're the Rockets? What are you parting with to try and make that trade happen? Because <laughs> you also have to be leery of a guy like Daryl Morey, who you know can really hammer you. Right. Well, you know, for... Someone of Joel's caliber of talent is going to take a pretty substantial amount of young cap, young talent and draft capital to even make it a realistic competition because you are talking about one of the game's top five players right now. So it's not going to be any simple kind of deal. You know, it would cost the Rockets quite a bit of, of young of young capital. So, again, I'm not saying it's happening tomorrow or anything. It's just if, if they do... If, this, if, it, if it becomes a sweepstakes where Joel is like, I want to leave Philadelphia, 
the Rockets are definitely going to be in the mix. And if a deal were to happen, it would definitely cost them a quite a number of young players. Do you think the Rockets are positioned to do something like this? Let's let's eliminate the name for a second. Let's eliminate the name Joel Embiid. Are they in a spot with all the young talent that they've collected, all around the same age, all really kind of have similar contracts in terms of rookie scale, length of deals, things like that? Are are the Rockets in a position where they're ready to kind of attack, go after a star with how they're currently comprised as 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 a build as a team? Yeah, I think so. I think whenever you have a combination of young talent and experience that they have. And most importantly, they have a guy in Elon Udoka who a lot of players around the league respect, a lot of players around the league, you know, they would love to play for. And you combine that with the market in Houston uh, and, and kind of the draft capital they still have on the books, it's, they become a very potential powerful player on the open market just because you have the ability to wheel and deal. You know, you have a bevy of young players that you can put in a number of deals uh, you know, to kind of entice some of these teams, if they choose to go separate away from their star players, you know, it puts Houston in a very good spot in terms of being aggressive and trying to upgrade the roster pretty quickly. Okay, two-part question. One, what draft capital do they really have with all the trades that they've made, with the exception of if they're really bad, they can control their own pick from going to OKC? Right. And then secondly, with everybody talking about phase two now, from Tillman to even Udoka jumping in on it, uh, what what are your expectations yeah. for this team next year with te- everybody looking at Houston uh, and the young talent that they have? So in terms of their draft capital, they still have you know some of those Brooklyn picks they're owed. They still have a few other picks, some other trades. I know the OKC pick is, is probably out of the question because of uh, the protection on that pick and everything. But um, in terms of other draft picks, they're still on the table. They have the ability to do that. And then going to phase two, um, my expectation for them is to hover around you know, the playing spots. If you add President Lee, you add Dylan Brooks, you add you know, players like Jeff Green, Jock Leonard to the rotation, then you have players like Jaden Green and Jabari Spitzer and getting older, more experienced. Then you bring in Emo Doka and the revamp coaching staff there is the expectation that this team should have a pretty sizable jump where even if they're not going to, quote-unquote, make the playoffs, they're going to be competitive enough where they're going to be in the mix. There has to be a pretty big jump from years, from last year going to this season. Kelly Eco covers the Rockets for The Athletic, joining us on the HRNP guest line. The, the Rockets' schedule came out, looks like, moments ago. Uh, anything stand out to you about the Rockets' schedule? I mean, you already know who they're going to play, but any road trips, things like that, that, that jumped out to you? So, so right off the bat, you know, they have a pretty big early homestand, which is going to be hugely important to kind of build that momentum, build that chemistry, especially when you have a new group trying to learn each other, understand you know, Ume's tactics and stuff like that. And then to close the season where the team could be potentially, you know, in the running for, for a playing spot, it's a pretty rough go. They have to go see the likes of Golden State, the Clippers, Dallas. You know, they still got to go to tricky teams like Orlando, Utah. You know, it's, it might be pretty tough to end the season. So for them, I think the hope is that they're going to be in a good enough spot to where the ending of the season doesn't, you know, capsize their playoff hopes or the postseason hopes, the playing hopes or whatever. Um, but those two spots in particular are, are the big ones to me. Obviously, you also have things like Dylan Brooks return to, to Memphis in December. You know, Fred Van Vick return to Toronto in 
in February, but those are, I guess, less important as you know, the beginning and the ending of the season. Kel, I'm curious, when, when we're talking about this team right now and we're talking a lot about Amen and, 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 and the younger de- the development of some of yeah. the younger players, not a lot of people talking about Cam yeah. Whitmore. Not a lot of people talking about it. Maybe it's because he slid to 20. But what kind of impact can he have this year on this young team as well as some of the other guys that are getting a lot more exposure? Um, I think for Cam, the most important thing is that his development is very well thought out. You know, there's a detailed plan. There should, there should be a detailed plan in place to ensure that he's just not thrown to the fire. Like he impressed a lot in summer league, you know, but there's still a ways to go in his development. There's still things he has to learn. He's uh, coming to a pretty crowded roster at his position right now. So training camp should be a pretty, you know, exciting and explosive time for everyone. But, you know, there's still, there's still a ways to go in terms of you know, kind of the, the levels he has to reach. But he's an exciting player for sure, athletic. And scored all three levels. Defensively, he has a lot of potential there. And I think Houston is pretty pleased that he felt it in that 20. Now, how do you pair that with guys like Amin going forward, guys like Jerry Green, Jabbar Smith, Tyrese, and Shaylun? That's going to be the big thing. But I think as a talent perspective, um, they're more than happy to have him. Maybe the better question then, Kelly, is how much more development will all the young players get from an, uh, an Ime Adoka-led staff than they didn't yeah, get from Steven Silas. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question. That's a good question because um, bringing in someone like Ime who's been to the playoffs, been to the NBA Finals, you know, he, he's someone that I think is more geared towards veteran players. He's more geared to win-now guys. You know, I'm not sure if... if, if and I remember during his introductory press conference, he said, you did not an excuse. So I, I don't think he's going to cut them any slack in terms of young players, their growing pains. I think all that went out the window. I think he expects he's going to hold them to a very high standard, you know, similar to standards that guys like Jeff Green have, President Lee, Dylan Brooks, those kind of guys. They're going to have to be on that level, if not better. So um, as far as development, I'm sure it's going to be up to the assistants and everything around the team. But as far as email is concerned, he wants guys that are ready to come in and win and win now. So it's going to be a pretty you know, swift process in terms of getting guys acclimated. Kelly, we always appreciate the time. Got internet famous again yesterday. I'm sure we'll be talking to you a lot very soon. Season's right around the corner. Yes, sir. Kelly Eco joining us. Covers basketball from the for the Athletic. Covers Houston Rockets basketball for the Athletic. I'm a little surprised he didn't say goodbye, Blinkers. Oh, I am a little bit, too, See but you later. cut him off anyway. So um... The Willa Bits is next. I'm, I'm very interested to see what the Willa Bits has in store today since it's not Joe George here. Mm. So I wonder if BMAC can can handle all of the workload that goes with the Willa Bits. I saw him chasing S2D2 down the hallway, so maybe that says something to do with I it. like his chances. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Sweet sassy molassie. John Stockton says, hey, look at me. I'm a little teapot. I'll run right up your dress. But then Carl Malone says, sweet sassy molassie. You are going to pay a lot. It's the Wheel of Bits on the Killer Bees. Kittles and bits, kittles and bits. I'm going to get me some kittles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. It's this mostly. Here's Joe and Jeremy. And Joe. <laughs> Be back in for Joe today. He's blank on Brandon. Um, did you hear what he said? That time I did not. Ha <laughs> ha. Yes. You got it? Yeah, he said, is it Bush League? That is correct. Is, is it, it a he? Or... I kind of wasn't paying attention, I'll be honest. Is S2D2 a he? 
I think in 2023, it's undetermined. It's 2000, yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll let us know. Or I shouldn't have said he. Pronouns. Um, okay. All right. Let's move along before I get canceled. Racist. <laughs> That's not that, racist that, that, at all. No, I said, I said <laughs> you racist. You already got that going against you. I don't think that's what they call that. But no, no. not right. I'm not referring to that situation. Way. I'm talking about previously. When I have you were a called. variety of ways that I might be canceled potentially. I'm not long for this career for this profession. All right, what we got? All right, first up on is it bush league or not? We have a TikTok video that uh, Br Betting, uh, I believe that would be uh, Bleacher Report Betting, has posted. Uh, about a young woman named Sierra going on a date, but uh, she wasn't exactly happy with the behavior of her date. I went on a first date last night with this guy, and I've actually been excited to go out with this guy. I think he's so good looking, and there was like good conversation. He's actually really smart, and he's going to like school and stuff. I don't know. He seemed hardworking from like what I could tell, and I don't know. He was giving me a couple green lights. I was like, I'm into it. I'm I'm kind of into you, like let's see how it is in person so we go out for dinner and drinks and he was doing all the right things opening every single door for me like picks me up telling me the time telling me the place that we're going out to eat i'm like okay i like this guy like i like this and then we get out to dinner and he he literally is betting on DraftKings, babe while we're eating dinner Bush League or not, first date, this guy that young Sierra goes out on a date with, during dinner, during the conversation, breaks out his phone and is looking at his bets. How do you know her name is Sierra? Huh? Did she say her name? No, it's on the tweet. Oh, okay. It's like, on the tweet from you're BR picking up something. There's so much here that's entertaining. He, she goes, he's actually really smart. Like, she didn't expect anybody yeah, in that clearly. neck of the woods to be smart. He's actually really or smart. Or maybe she, like, she, let, she led with that. Oh, he's really <laughs> handsome. So maybe she wasn't expecting to get the double yeah. threat. He goes, she goes, he's going to school and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Where Very is she smart. from? Where is she from? Where do you think she's from? New York. She. I, I picked up Jersey Shore vibes. A little bit. See, little Jersey Shore. California. California? California out of that? I mean, it was. Maybe I'm completely no, wrong. No, there's a lot of East I Coast wonder. in that. Yeah, it felt very East Coasty. Yeah. Very East Coasty. It's like, you know, we went to the beach and he was cool and he opened <laughs> some doors for me and then we went to yeah. dinner and then it all. See, I didn't get the accent. I got Jersey Shore. Listen to her again. Yeah. She, she goes, I like this guy. I like this. <laughs> that was funny. She was into it. Then he pulled out this phone and, uh, and uh, started looking at his betting. All right, Blakers. Bush League or not Bush League? Homie here uh, what, pulling the, out his phone on what's the first the movie? He just isn't that into you. Because <laughs> if he was that into you and he was going through all those other motions, then he certainly shouldn't pull out his phone and start getting on anything, let, let alone DraftKings, because that's a bad look. It's horrible to try and take it to the next level or capitalize on how she was obviously feeling. And I think he basically screwed himself in more ways than one. The uh, yeah, this is probably bush league. It's probably bush league. I, I I try not to. I try not to be on my phone on dates with my wife. Well, That's I was going to say, how do you feel? You did more. clarify that, or you did a caveat that is try not to. So you still on your phone? Not betting, okay. but like every now and then I'll check a score, or like if she goes, you know, to, to the bathroom or something. Yeah, maybe yeah, I'll sure. scroll oh, yeah, Twitter or something like that. But I try to. I try to have either the phone in my pocket or the phone face down. We have a rule in our house about electronic devices during dinner because it's so annoying whether you're at home, but especially when you're at a restaurant. Like, you want to have some, some interaction with your kids and with the family. And if the kids are on phones and iPads and devices, and we see a lot of families that allow that, we just we have a rule that there's a time and a place for electronics, and it isn't at the dinner table. 
Yeah. I mean, she, she goes on to say in this clip, like if he had just glanced at his bedding and then put it back down, she probably would have excused it. But it was nonstop. And apparently at one point he even like exclaimed like, yes, while she was in the middle of a conversation because one of his bets had cashed. Yeah, at least it I'm was curious. The middle of a conversation. I Otherwise, the, it would have been a good thing. I wonder what the bets were. <laughs> but you're probably right. Like, if you're doing that, you're you're not into her. Like, no, you're not into her. I if think his it's, bets I think it's win, though, Does she excuse it if his bets win? And then, then he could pay for you know more no, things after the it's, day. It's because it's a it's a respect thing. It's a respect thing and an interesting like Blake like, just talking yeah. about. Like if he was really feeling it and he was like interested and he's like, yeah, I see, I see, like promise here. Promise. He How doesn't he's see in promise? her what she saw in him. Yeah. Maybe when she was describing him, his standards are normally a little higher. And this was, hey, you know what? She looks like she might be fun. I got nothing to do tonight. We'll hang out. As opposed to chick is smoking and she's smart and she's got a lot. I got to make sure I impress the hell out of her. I'm not getting on my phone. I mean, I, Bush League here. I've We're watched Bush the League. video. There were there was there's definitely things to be interested at with this young lady. So I, I'm surprised that P-Mac, he would be beauty's mo- in the hot, the eye of the beholder. <laughs> I'm just surprised he would rather look at his phone when he has a uh, a pretty woman right in front of him. Huh. She gonna change Bush her mind League. if those were stock quotes and he was watching the market before it closed? <laughs> I, I don't think she, she would. Might. I don't think so I, either. I, again, I think it's a respect thing. Yeah. Like, okay. like they want your attention. That's right. They want your attention. No matter what, like that's that's the scale, that's Jeremy. the hour and a half, two hours you've carved out with each other. Give her the attention. All right, what we got? All right, so obviously Mike Greenberg. Did you we, go Bush League? Yeah, I said Bush okay, League we're as all well. Bush League, we're all yeah, Bush yeah, League. yeah. So next one up, we obviously all know Mike Greenberg, longtime ESPN radio personality, was on the Mike and Mike show for a long time, but uh, he apparently was giving some advice to young people in trying to get into our industry into sports talk radio about how they can be successful, but. Uh, Toucher and Rich of 98.5, the sports hub in Boston, not a fan of Mike Greenberg and not a fan of his advice. So there was an interview that Greenberg did with a, uh, that, that was highlighted on Facebook. That's part of an interview that he did with like an industry magazine. And he's talking to like, oh. a, he's talking to, and listen to this, no talent. <laughs> this, this guy who's making all this money, listen to his advice. If you're not writing out your teases, you're not doing it. You're not hosting a show. He's like, you could be the funniest guy the most interesting guy you could know the most about sports but it doesn't mean anything if you're not holding people over the brakes and i said that is tremendous advice if you're the most interesting person in the world really it all comes down to your teases i mean what what a hacky dumb thing to say talk about like a guy like justifying his career so that's your career is that you've written out teases for what's coming up next He's so clearly, Touch and Rich, Earth. not a fan of Mike Greenberg, but uh, is it Bush League one for the attack on Mike Greenberg? And two, is he right? Is, is the idea that you have to write out all your teases very overrated? Who, who was the guy that was going on Greenberg that we just that heard? Was, that was Fred Toucher. Fred Toucher. What does Fred Toucher do? I don't know. Obviously, he's, he's, obviously he's, he's he touches a, a nerve and touches people. And <laughs> good one. Have we? Have you heard of Fred Toucher? Never. I've never heard. It's what actually is, a pretty successful show. Like when the Barrett list comes out, usually is he like? Is he? But in that's a city or what? by Barrett podcast. Like what is he? Uh, what? Where? Where is he? Is ninety eight five the sports hub in Boston? Oh, he's a Boston guy. Yeah, ninety eight five. Okay, so it's Boston guy going against a New York guy. I think that's important here. Do you think it's Bush League? I, I've had my own issues with Mike Greenberg, having met him and worked with him on some things that I would say other things. But I think well, what would you say? I've said some of it before. I just think that a lot of times he's one of those guys that is completely disinterested and, and very kind of disingenuous. And then all of a sudden you have to find if you find something or when the light when the light goes on. And sometimes even then when the light goes on and, and you're interviewing him, he could care less. 
he basically can just kind of mail it in. But then if there's something more important or something more substantial with it, then he might finally engage with you. And I think that this is cookie-cutter advice that anybody could get in some textbook, if that's what you're... I think if you're an entertaining, any kind of host, anything in entertainment and broadcasting and sports and whatever, yeah, the teases are a nice touch, but there's a lot of people that don't that, that are going to listen to a lot of shows and watch a lot of podcasts and shows, regardless of how they throw to break and how they come back. Um, I think... I don't think it's Bush League. I don't think it's Bush League. I think almost anything as you try to entertain on radio is almost fair play. Like almost literally almost everything. I think that was incredibly entertaining. I think what Fred Toucher was saying about Mike Greenberg, even though I disagree, I think Mike Greenberg is talented. I think Mike Greenberg's really good. I don't think you have the career of Mike Greenberg being a talentless hack. I think Greenberg. I don't think he's talent. a talentless hack. No, Let's he's. I think he's incredibly clear. talented. At the same time, I, we just played Fred Toucher. In Houston, and he's from Boston. Like, it worked. Fred Toucher just did something that worked. I thought it was entertaining. I believe in entertainment. So I don't think what Fred Toucher did was Bush League. Now, I agree with Mike. Not that you write out every tease, but holding an audience through the break is incredibly important for what we do. I don't write out my teases. I have an idea of where we're going next. Sometimes we have no idea where we're going next segment. Sometimes carry, right? Sometimes you have to be a little creative, too. Like, you just have a little bit of, you know, you're a little shrewd. Sometimes my teases suck. But I, I do agree with Greenberg that keeping an audience through the break is is important. It's, it's kind of what it's you're important. doing. You know, in analyzing what what's Bush and what's not, I'm not going to criticize Mike Greenberg for his abilities and for his career because he's made a, an unbelievable career out of broadcasting. <laughs> but I, I think the advice sucked. But I think that for Toucher to, to, to go off on him like he did, there's a lot of different things that I personally would go after if I'm going to go if I'm going to be critical of Mike Greenberg. But his advice in a situation like that is not one of them, but we live in a click-based uh, news cycle and, and life right now yeah. where everything is based. We know that Skip Bayless is the biggest clickbait out there, but guess what? Whether you, you, There's mostly spewed venom about Skip Bayless, but people take the time every single time he tweets or says something stupid and outlandish to go tell him how stupid and outlandish it, what it is. And he's making millions and millions of dollars and has an endorsement deal with Jordan, by the way. Yeah, I think Greenberg's advice is sound. Not that you necessarily need to write it out, but you should aspire to have good teases. And then I think what Fred Toucher does was highly entertaining. So, no, I'm, I'm no Bush League here. What do you uh, got? Yeah, I'm also no Bush League. I mean, it, like like you guys, I mean, not that it's not that a tease is not important, but we're talking about what Toucher said tonight, yeah. not really what That's, the other guys yeah. said. So, it, entertainment and being entertaining is greater sign than the tease. Like, if, if I'm listening, the shows I listen to on a regular basis i'm not listening to them because they give great teases it's because they entertain me they make me laugh and that's what i'm tuning in for so the teases are a part of it but the idea that that's like what mike greenberg says like that's the most important thing you're not doing a radio show if you're not writing out teases no if you're entertaining <laughs> you're funny and you're making people laugh and you're giving them something they want to listen to it doesn't matter what you're plus i think there's an element of being organic like i, I think it's really yeah, it important comes off to, to be organic scripted if yeah. you're like, like overly scripted or, exactly your so like if you had everything written out and you're reading it like it's a teleprompter. I mean, you're Ron. Burgundy Audiences are savvy point. and they pick up on yeah, it and it's... they don't like it. They don't like to be patronized by people that are just force feeding script. Fred Toucher writes out his teases. What are we handicapping that at? I'm going minus 250. You think he does? No, minus 250. I'm giving him negative value. There's, that means he doesn't. Uh, okay, I guess I, I thought... Uh, the, I mean, he's the, the favorite. The favorite is that he does not write Oh, teases. yeah, yeah, no, I would, I, would go, I would go even higher than that. Bump, minus I bump it up to minus 500. Tyson I, fighting Douglas? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think Fred Toucher's shtick and his ammo is going 
hard at people. I, I tell you what, though, if there's a producer he's worked with that, that he's pissed off, maybe they will put out a Google Doc out there with one of the script, one of the teases he's written. That'd be hilarious. That's a Jim Rome thing, too, where uh, what's-his-name had to write all Travis his Travis Rogers wrote yeah. all his stuff. What yeah. did they call the crew? It was like the name of a car. I can't remember. It was very uh, similar X, to S2D2. The XR4TI crew. XR4TI crew. That's right. I can never remember that. Yeah, that was funny. All right, 713-780-3776. Uh, you, you care at all about this plane lady? The story of this plane lady? I She's care back. It, I care if it is the plane lady or not. Okay, we could talk about if it's the real plain lady. And also, she's, she's such a shrewd businesswoman, this plain lady. Astros also with their rotation against the Mariners. Kind of an interesting name left out. And I think it kind of lends you to believe that Javier might be getting skipped next week as well. 713-780-3776. Killer B's ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Committee to Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. Some people are texting in saying that it's Bush League, what Greenberg did to Golick. Kind of don't disagree. Triple zero two Greenberg was on the fires level when he pushed Golick off TV. Bush League, did he push him off TV or radio? Push him off radio. Six seven six. He was the reason why they broke up Mike and Mike. He backstabbed. He backstabbed Mike Golick, loser. I don't really remember this story, if I'm being honest. I know Greenberg was like doing some shady stuff that led to the demise of Mike and Mike, but I don't know this story. Golick very spoken out a little terms. bit about it. He didn't seem very happy, but he mostly took the high road. But you could tell he wasn't happy about it. Really? Yeah. yeah remember, he basically said that he wanted his. He had more to do with his career, and he could do more. And kind of like Stephen A. did when he kind of pushed Kellerman out and then started doing his own way, his own thing. Instead of the partnership of Mike and Mike, he kind of felt like he was the bigger, stronger, with more potential to do more, and just basically decided he was he was over Mike. 409, Josh. I doubt sports radio listeners really care about how y'all go to break. There's probably an element of truth to that, and there's also probably an element of the industry standard of it matters. It's not so the, much that they care, like, the technical aspect of how we go to break. It's just that it's got to be an interesting topic to keep people listening but, and not yeah, change it's also, the other station. It's also an inexact science. Because, yeah, like, what is 100%. the industry, industry standard isn't always the standard of what your listener wants. Like it's it's very it's very weird, honestly. It depends on who you work for more than who you work with. Because who you work with, you can find the chemistry and you can get into, you know, roles and, and what you do on a, on a segment by segment basis. And if people like that and they like the interactions and they like the back and forth and they like the fact that they can feel a part of a discussion, yeah, it doesn't matter how you go to break or how you come back. It, who you work for matters because a lot of people are going to harp on that and be sticklers and go. You have to go to break by teasing the next that you well, have to do this coming but I, back. I think ultimately it goes to the listener. I think ultimately the listener is the most important thing. I think that's the most important variable. All those things are variables. It's all a part of this very complicated algorithm. But I think the most important variable all the time is what your listener wants, quite frankly. Or what they like, right? If they like listening to you, whether they agree with you or not, they're going to be back no matter how you do whatever else you do around the discussions. <laughs> Chris from Sam Houston. We care that you hit your brakes on time so we don't get a huge block of commercials. John and Lance used to do that back before they were at gas stations. Oh, uh, man, John and Lance catching some strays on the Killer Bees. Uh, 3501, Low Lamont. Uh, radio teasers work the opposite for me. If I know that what you're going to talk about and I don't like it, click the next station. Yep. 
but that's why you should have a good tease, right? That's why you should have a tease that is interesting. So, like, I think Lamont's actually proven Greenberg's point. Like, I think have a good no. tease and you stick. Have a tease that you're not interested in next, de- next station. I think he's defining why a tease is critical. I think he's just saying, though, like, there are obviously some sports fans in here that like all three, you know, the Rockets, the Astros, the Texans, the Dy- Dynamo, too, whoever. But there are sports fans here that only like the Texans, only like the Astros. So yeah. I think what Lamont might be pointing out, if he's an only Texans person and we tease Astros, then he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not saying Lamont, but that's why it himself, goes to, to me, it's not as important as some people might think. Because if you said nothing at all and just said, we'll, we'll be back, as long as you were entertaining during that segment and people were into it, whether you were talking Texans, and you were going to rotate to Astros or you were going to, you know, and, or you, and you didn't tell them a thing. I think because they like you and you're entertained, they're sticking with you. Yeah, I think there's an element to that. Yeah, I, that's I, the number one thing. Yeah, you're right. That is that's a huge thing. But again, it goes down to the listener. Entertain the listener, right? Sure. Make the listener like you or hate you. Uh, We've the, done both. Howard Stern says the guy that hates you will listen for an hour and the guy that likes you is going to listen for 15 minutes. So. If you're ever thinking about hating me, I love you. Text, text him, 713-780-3776. We see him on a daily basis. Or you can just tweet me at Jeremy Brown. Bobby up. Miami might hate you by now. Yeah, <laughs> Bobby Miami's on the on the border right now. I, I, don't, I don't think – I think we got Bobby Miami hooked. I think me and BMAC did right off the top. He got a little frustrated with we, your yeah, lack of a belief. Yeah, we Bobby He's, Miami. You tried to shut him. He sent me a selfie. All right? Four one two three. I'd well, just, rather. Hey, well, then if it means something to you, just don't pull out your phone and start betting on DraftKings during the first time you guys meet up. Four one two three. I'd rather listen to your teasers than the awful Spencer intros and outros that nobody all caps letters asked oh, for at once. Facts. I got a bone to pick with Spencer. I'm going to see him soon. Got a big bone to pick with Spencer. Mm. The plane lady is back. She uh, she tweeted on Sunday. A video saying that I'm sorry, you know, I didn't handle myself well, et cetera, et cetera. We have no idea what happened on that plane. I want to know what happened on the plane. Who I want to talk about the plane. We're just there, talking about I saw some daily UK, UK mail website thing that I think showed up at her door and was asking her questions. Apparently, she was sitting next to like a family member that stole her AirPods. So, like, was that guy not real? Like, I'm, I'm, I mean, I think she was on drugs. If I I'm think she was definitely honest. on something and there wasn't anybody in. In particular, she was talking. She yeah, was on drugs that would to make her paranoid. To, like, if someone steals your, your your AirPods, how does that relate to someone not being real? Um, Especially when she was pointing to just some general space in the plane. It didn't even look like she was pointing at one specific. Yeah, person. I think I think there there were separate things going on. I don't I, I don't think she's saying that is not real had anything to do with a relative stealing her, her, her AirPods. But sometimes when you get in an argument with somebody, that guy's not being real right now. You know, eh, I mean it's a reach. But she's out with the video. You don't think it's her you were saying? I think makeup is a miraculous thing sometimes. But I think it when we talk about night and day, her on the plane versus her in the video that she posted in response to everybody responding to her on the plane look like two different people to me. I mean, this is camera angles and having a month to get yourself camera ready. She, well, she did. She definitely used all 30 days. I think it, I, I think it looks the, a lot like her. Okay, I really do. Like, I mean, the, the angle is a little different. She does look like she's lost a few pounds, but she's also had a month, right? Now, I think here's my take, Blinkers. Here's my wild tinfoil. You tell me if I'm losing my mind. Take here. I believe this lady. I don't even know her name. Plain lady. I believe that plain lady realized that she was incredibly popular the moment that that went viral. And since that day, she's like a publicist. She has her own like publicist company in Dallas, and she lives like in a multi million dollar home. By the way. 
I believe at that moment she knew she could capitalize on something. So the moment that she knew she could capitalize on this video going viral, getting attention, getting clout, getting exposure, since that moment she's been calculating a plan to figure out a way to monetize this, to capitalize off this the best way she can. If you go look at her Twitter, where she posted this two-and-a-half-minute video, she already on her Twitter bio has links to a website, already has links to a YouTube. I think it was calculated. I think she's been getting camera ready for a month. I think it's all – I don't think what, what she did on the plane was calculated. But the moment she went viral for what happened on the plane, since that very next day, she's been trying to construct a plan to gain the maximum amount of exposure from that incident. Here's what I think. I think that she was scared to death when it happened and it got out, that she was going to be canceled, that she was going to be – crucified that she was going to be just singled out as this complete massive dumbass and then when she found out that there were oh she's hot and guys going where is this and oh i love this lady and blah 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 blah. then i think she got to the level you're at i think she was first scared to death that this could be a career and life changing in a negative way moment in her life and then when she started to see that the reactions were turning and there was a ton of people that were wanting to see more or hear more from her that's when she went to your your. She's uh, trying to capitalize scenario. off of this. I fully believe she's trying to capitalize on this. Your timeline's probably right, but she's trying to capitalize off of this. I mean, she's a publicist. Of course she's trying to capitalize off of this. All right, that does it for us. BMAC doing all the hard work. I think we'll bring you back tomorrow, BMAC. I think we'll bring you back tomorrow. He's Blinkers. I'm Brad, and we'll talk to you tomorrow, Houston.